Welcome to the Hustle Sanely podcast, a show where we are breaking up with unhealthy hustle culture and redefining what it means to be productive. I'm your host and new productivity BFF, Jess Massey. Around here, we believe that productivity is so much more than just checking a million things off of a never-ending to-do list. I am obsessed with teaching you how to prioritize your mental health and the important relationships in your life while you pursue your goals. I'm here to help you ditch that feeling of constant overwhelm and cultivate an intentional life by getting your mindset right, getting clear on your vision, and creating a schedule that aligns with your actual priorities. If you want to learn how to live a peacefully productive life, then you're going to want to stick around. Let's get into today's episode. Hey, hi, hello, Hustle Sanely Squad, and welcome back to the show. It is the fourth Tuesday of the month, which means I am not by myself. I have a guest on with me, and I know y'all are going to be so, so excited to hear from her. If you are a fan of the Enneagram, I am, big fan, you probably already follow her on Instagram. Her handle is at Enneagram Ashton. Ashton is an author, a public speaker, community psychologist, and certified Enneagram educator. With a desire to see relationships strengthened, she created Enneagram Ashton in early 2019. She is the author of Enneagram for Relationships, The Two of Us, A Three Years Couple Journal, and The Enneagram Made Simple. Oh, and y'all, fun fact, Ashton is actually a Hustle Sailing BFF and, 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 and she just so happens to be the quarter two guest expert. She is going to be doing a deep dive on the Enneagram with us inside of the BFF membership and doing a live Q&A so that all the BFFs can ask all the questions that have to do with the Enneagram. I am a big fan of the Enneagram as a personal development tool. It has helped me to understand myself better and honestly, my loved ones better. It's one of my favorite relationship tools, honestly, because I just feel like it really helps uh, just with understanding people on a deeper level, which in turn helps with better communication. And as we all know, communication is kind of the foundation of any type of relationship. But today, Ashton and I are diving into all things Enneagram and how you can use it as a tool to help you get your mindset right, aka key one to hustling sanely. So I hope that y'all enjoy my chat with Ashton. Hello, Ashton. Welcome to the podcast. I am so, so excited to have you here. Thank you for being so willing to jump on here and hang out with the Hustle Sanely community. Yeah, I love everything that you do, everything that the community does. So I was honored that you asked. Yay. Okay. So I'm just going to start with the most annoying question. It's the hardest question. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like what are your most important roles in life? What are you passionate about other than the Enneagram? And just let us know who's Ashton. It is a hard question because there are so many roles. So my name's Ashton. I'm Enneagram Ashton on Instagram, but my most important role is being a mom. So I have a two-year-old and I'm about to have another baby um, as we're recording this. And yeah, I'm a wife. I I consider myself to be um, an entrepreneur in multiple facets. And I also am a part-time professor on the side. That blows my mind. When I found out about you, I was like, hold on, what? That's incredible. 
It's wild. Um, and you know, Gen Z, it's a, it's a crazy generation. <laughs> like I learned more about them and I feel older every single day. Of yeah. Life. Yeah. That's why I'm not on TikTok, man, because I'm like, I know if I get it's on there, hard. I yeah. feel ancient. So I'm just going to stay on Instagram. Yeah. I literally feel like a dinosaur like yeah. 90% of the time when yeah. I'm interacting with them. But um, obviously I'm super passionate about the Enneagram. I'm super passionate about helping people and using the Enneagram to do that and to change relationships. And so, yeah, I love all the roles that I, that I play. It's a lot, mm-hmm. but it's also so much fun. Awesome. I love that. So, okay. We have some rapid fire questions that I like to do at the beginning with everybody. And I swear the Enneagram question has been in there since the beginning. Like I did I not. Know. I listened to your podcast. I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my God, she's going to be like, uh, really? No. <laughs> okay. So can you tell us, Ashton, what book are you currently reading or podcast are you currently loving? Or you can do both if you want to do both. Yeah. I've been reading this book called How to Keep House While Drowning. Have you read that book? No. What is it? Actually, Say it again. I was think it's called How to Keep House While Drowning. Okay. I actually I'm feel intrigued. like it's a book that you would like okay. and it like has some productivity tips in there that I feel like you would really get behind. Okay, but it amazing. talks about how um, like if we have a messy space or a messy area like it's no reflection on our character and who we are as a person. Mm-hmm. Instead, look at viewing those tasks as like care tasks, like ways uh, to take care of ourselves. I, I like will scream this recommendation to the rooftops. I'm only halfway through, but it is such listen, a good As soon as we're done, I'm going to go order it because to be honest with you, I have been in such a reading slump when it comes to like nonfiction. Fiction, yeah, I'm like on it right now, but nonfiction, I just feel like everything has just, I don't know, not been my vibe. It's been very like- You're like, I've heard it before. And, it's the same yeah, message. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, ugh. So that sounds yeah. like something that is up my alley. So I'm going to order sure. it on Amazon after this. hundred yeah. percent. Okay. What, what is your Enneagram number? Can you tell us? <laughs> I'm a two. So I am the helper. But I have a ridiculously strong three wing. So most people looking at me would say that I'm a three. But as we know, and as we'll talk about, the Enneagram is about motivations and not behaviors. So my motivations do stay with the two. Awesome. And then next rapid fire question, what is a life hack that is saving you in your current season? So you are pregnant right now that I would say that is a yeah. big part of the current season. So what is what a life is hack? saving that- me? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think like just thinking about future me, you know, like getting gas when I don't want to get gas, but I know like the me tomorrow will be so happy that I got gas. I just think like I always have that like little voice in my head saying like, you don't want to do this now, but like tomorrow you're going to be so happy that you did that. Yes. I love this piece of advice so much because not only are you so happy that you did that, but I feel like for me, if I wake up and something is already done that I thought that I needed to do, but I was like, oh wait, yesterday me had my back. So I feel like it really does just motivate me to stay in that zone of like getting stuff done and just being in a good mindset. You know what I mean? Like it affects more than just the task being done. So I absolutely love that. And then the last rapid fire question, what is one product that you are obsessed with right now? And you can go any direction you want with this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This one was so, is so hard for me to think about because like I used to be such a big like product person right, right. and now for me I feel like it's just the act of like getting my lashes done that I'm like thank god <laughs> I don't have to use a product for that I 
wish that I could hug you right now for saying that because I'm planning a podcast episode in a couple months called 10 Things That Are Saving My Life Right Now. That is number one on my list is my lash extensions. And I was like, is that a little too bougie to put on No, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like You know, I'm having a planned C-section and I literally made an appointment for the day before. I am obsessed with that. Yeah, because I'm like, you know, why why not make it easier, right? Like, if there's something that will make my life easier, I'm going to do it. That is it. I had my lashes done for the first time right before, a couple months before I got pregnant. Like, that was my first experience getting yeah. lash extensions, and I was like, oh, I'm sold. These are amazing. And then when I got pregnant, like, over the summer, I was like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't keep doing the lash extensions. Like, it's getting hard to sit still. When I get them done, mm-hmm. I have to pee every five seconds. This isn't worth it. So I got them taken off. And then literally three days before I went into labor, I didn't know when I was going into yeah. labor, I panicked and made a lash appointment and got them put back <laughs> on. I was like, I miss them so much and I want to have them in my photos for- Yeah, I know. It's like- They make me feel put together. <laughs> it's so relatable. Like, I, I feel like it's like ridiculous for me, yes. but it's also like so relatable. Yes. So it's not a product, like- the only other product, this is like so cheesy, Jess, but the only other product I could think about that I love is like my Hustle Stanley planner. Like oh I God. literally like have it sitting right next to me right now. And I will cry right now on this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, I got to think of something else that's like not me like totally sucking up and being like, no. oh, you're saving my life. But like having systems like that and, um, you know, I could go on and on about like switch goal mapping and like all of those things have been so helpful for me. Uh, that actually makes my day. Like I could quit my job right now and be like, okay, <laughs> we're good. We did it. That's awesome. Uh, Thank up. you. So I'm a suck up. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> you're absolutely not. You're awesome. Okay. So uh, I'm ready to jump in to chatting about the Enneagram. Yeah. I have an episode on the podcast. I should have looked it up before we started recording. It's old, like pre-pandemic old about the yeah. Enneagram because I started talking about it because um, I'm very big into you know personal and professional development and I've never really resonated with a lot of mm, like personality type things. And I know the Enneagram is different than a lot of them. And I think that's why I was drawn to it. Um, And let me tell you a little secret. The Enneagram is the only, I don't even know if it's considered like a personality test, but that's just what I Mm -hmm. call it in my head. It's the only one that my husband has ever not turned his nose up at. He is always like, don't put me in a box, like blah, blah, blah. And when I first like got into the Enneagram, he was just like, I roll, no, another one. (laughs) Like, I don't, mm -mm -mm." I played him. I'm sure you heard the Sleeping at Last songs. Mm -hmm. Dude, he's a two also. Literally, literally bawled his eyes out when I played him the two songs. Oh, and I was like, okay. that's classic too. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I know because I'm like same. I did that too. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the enneagrams really special to me as a person because I feel like I'm an enneagram three. For those of you who don't know, I'm a three wing four, and I feel like the enneagram really did change how my relationship with myself and my relationship with my husband and with my best friend. A lot of you guys know Carson. She's also an Enneagram too. I have a lot of twos in my life. Let me tell yeah. you, um, twos and sixes, but 
the Enneagram really did just help me communicate better with people because I was able to understand them better. Like I feel like the Enneagram has made me more compassionate as a person. So I started talking about it on social media and people were like, oh my gosh, what is this thing? Because I feel like it was before it was like really, really hyped up. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And Carson is the one who introduced it to me. I think I took the test, oh my gosh, back in like 2018 or something like that. Um, And so people, it was still like fairly like newer in the social media world. People were like, what is that? When I would talk about on Instagram stories. So I did a whole podcast episode on it and everything that I found was just research that I was doing online. And I think in the episode like 20 times, I was like, I am not an expert on this. This is just (laughs) and sharing what I am finding. Um, So I'm really excited to have you on, somebody who is actually knowledgeable on the Enneagram. So uh, there is seriously so much that I want to pack into this conversation. Because like I said, I've been a fan of the Enneagram forever. Um, I did take the test back in 2018 and I took it on the Enneagram Institute. Mm-hmm. Website, I yeah, think. that's, that's a good one. Okay, cool. I had, I paid like 12 yeah. bucks or something. Cause I wanted like all the forms. I wanted to like read about mm-hmm. it, like all the Such things. A three. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I would love to know how you got into the Enneagram and how you started the Enneagram Ashton account over on Instagram. Like walk us through that journey. What did that look like? Yeah. For you? So it was similar timing for you, um, I think, where I was in grad school. So I have my bachelor's and master's degree in psychology. So I'm a psychologist by trade. And I had always, unlike you, I'd always like been super into all of the personality typing systems like Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders. Like I would go to a bookstore when I was like 11 and just want to take like a personality test like a freak. But I had just had always like had this innate need to like better understand myself and then in turn want to understand other people. And so when I discovered the Enneagram, what really like drew me to it was the fact that you could use it as a tool to like better understand yourself and other people. And similarly, like I just wanted to share all of that information with other people. Like I was so like bubbling over with knowledge and like passion for it that I was like, people need to know that this can be like life changing things. Like that might seem dramatic, but when we know, similar to what you said, when we know what is like motivating ourselves to do something a certain way, then we can ultimately change behaviors that we may not like. But if we know why other people are doing things a certain way, then we can offer um, compassion and empathy and a, a level of understanding that we may not have had before. So that is what kind of sparked me to create my Instagram account just to like share knowledge. And I came home one day and said to my husband, who was my fiance at the time, we weren't even married. And I said, like, I think this is like what I need to be doing now. And like, I think I need to go get certified in this because like, I'm so passionate about it. And so then it just kind of took off from there. And I became a certified Enneagram educator and, and kind of took off with my business in that way. Oh my gosh. Did you expect it to explode the way that it did? No, I was, I was kind of horrified at first, you know, I was like, there are so many people that are like watching my life. Yeah. Um, and I still sit back sometimes and think like, like, how are this, how does so many people just like have a front row view to my life? And it freaks me out. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, it's a different experience now, like four and a half years later. So totally. yeah. can you believe that it's been four and a half years? Like when you just said that, I was like, wait a second. Yeah. That, I, it, 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 I have to do the math. I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. 
Well, I absolutely love the work that you do on Instagram. It is just, like I said, it just helps me to understand myself more. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like, <laughs> is this weird? Like I take pride in being an Enneagram <laughs> 3 and I feel like that is also I think very it's important. Enneagram thing. Yeah. Um, so we keep throwing around like all these like, oh, that's so, that's such a two thing. Oh, type two, three, blah, 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 blah. So how would you describe, like if somebody's listening and they're just like, okay, like what is the Enneagram? <laughs> like what, what are they talking about here? Because a lot of people that I know in real life and online, the one thing that people say to me that always catches me off guard, they're like, is it a religion? Like, oh my gosh, like, are you following a religion? And I'm like, no, it's like a, a tool, like a personal development or even a professional development tool. So how would you describe what the Enneagram is to someone who's never heard of it? And then I want to run through the nine types. Yeah, for sure. So the Enneagram is actually extremely old. It's between like two to 4,000 years old. That's and it's wild. so old that people can't pinpoint like the exact date that it was created but they know that it was created back in like those archaeological times and it didn't really make its way to the U.S. until around the 60s 50s 60s okay. and so it's a newer system in English like books weren't really written about it until like the 1980s so it sparked in popularity and then it kind of dwindled off a little bit but kind of what you were saying, like with social media and the internet in general, and just having like access to knowledge at our fingertips, the past, you know, 10 years or so have just kind of sparked a lot of interest in the Enneagram. And I do think, you know, like the year of 2020, I don't know if you remember that year, (laughs) but (laughs) but people had like more time to- I was going to ask you if if you saw like a rise in popularity in 2020. Oh yeah, for sure. People were just spending more time like at home and researching and reading and it just was um, interesting to see. But so it's, it is a personality typing system and that it separates you into a specific type. So there are nine different types, but what's different is systems like Myers-Briggs or strength finders they're pulling out like behaviors in Mm -hmm. you. So, you know, maybe you're extroverted or you're introverted. You, um, you know, kind of like conflict or like can engage in conflict or you avoid it. Those are like behaviors. The Enneagram is about why you do things the way that you do. So why you're extroverted, why you're introverted, Mm -hmm. why you avoid conflict. So it's kind of like a deeper layer to me when I hear it worded that way. Yeah, totally. Um, because, and that's again, what I loved about it because it wasn't just like, oh, I've learned these things about myself. Like I'm an extrovert and I can just go on with my life. It's like, wait, why do I do those behaviors? Or like, why do I feel the need to avoid conflict? Things like that. That is uh, seriously like one of, I mean, obviously it's the best description I've ever heard of it because it's kind of what you do for a living. But yeah, it's just, I feel like the Enneagram to me, a lot of the personality like typing systems, like kind of put you in a box almost, it feels like whenever you're kind of reading about them, learning about them. And the Enneagram was the first one that I ever discovered and explored that I didn't feel that way. I felt like it was kind of opening the lid on that box and I was like able to crawl out of it because I just understood myself a little bit more. Um, So can we run through the nine types? Maybe just tell us like what the type is, like the name of it. um, And then like one or two like common things about that type. Yeah, so the Enneagram one is the reformer. 
And the names that I use are from the Enneagram Institute. And so I'll just preface this by saying that there are many names out there that people use and those aren't wrong. These are just the ones that I was trained to use. So the one is the reformer. Their biggest desire is to be seen as a good person, to be moral, ethical, to do the right thing. And then their biggest fear is being unethical or being wrong. Makes sense. So that's why they tend to be also labeled as like perfectionist mm-hmm. or very concerned about rules, things like that. Okay. So that's type one. Type two? Yeah. Type two is the helper. So their biggest desire is to feel loved and wanted, needed, appreciated, And then their biggest fear is being unloved or unwanted and just like not appreciated for the things that they do. And so they are like their name suggests very giving, nurturing, um, helpful people where they can get in trouble then is like, are they doing that in order to feel loved? Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of women that I've spoken to, people think that they're a two just because they're like, a mom and you know they're nurturing to their kids and I've seen a lot of people kind of have to you know go against that a little bit and kind of go a little bit deeper and be like okay that's kind of what people are projecting onto me but actually I identify with xyz number yeah women will mistype as a two more than any other type because we're kind of taught to be nurturing and you know Mm -hmm. focused on other people and again those are behaviors right Right. so you got to get to the root of like why do you do those things right right and that's kind of what everything is coming back to right it's not about the behavior it's about the motivation behind the behavior so if you guys are trying to take anything away like remember that little nugget okay so (laughs) type three the three is the achiever So their biggest desire is to be seen as successful, competent, capable of doing something, getting the job done. Mm -hmm. And then their biggest fear, they fear failure the most, but then they also fear like not being seen as capable or competent in that way. And so that leads leads them to want to check things off their to-do list, to set goals and achieve goals, like... (laughs) Just based on your business alone, like anybody should see that you are a three. Like, I don't think they need to tell you. To my core, like to my core. I'm not joking. The first time I ever like read about a three, I was just like, whoa, is somebody reading my journal? Like what is going on right now? And then, okay, what is a type four? Yeah, the four is the individualist. So their biggest desire is to be seen as special, unique, significant, to like create meaning in life. And then their biggest fear is that they'll be seen as like just ordinary or they'll have something inherently wrong with them, that they're defective in that sort of way. And so they want to be unique. They want to kind of um, be set apart from other people. And so they might engage in activities that could allow them to do that. Okay. And then five. The five is the investigator. And so they're the most introverted type of all of them on the okay, Enneagram. So they um their biggest desire is to like be knowledgeable. So they want to know the things and then they want other people to know the things. But they fear having their resources be depleted. So that's kind of what causes that introverted behavior because they want to protect their space, their time, their energy, because mm-hmm. they're afraid of those being depleted. 
Okay. I had no idea about that. A lot of this stuff, like I've done deep dives and like nerded out over the Enneagram. So I'm like, yep, 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 that. I had no idea. So that's so interesting to me. Okay. So a type six, I'm excited to hear this one too, because a lot of people in my life, like I said, I have a lot of twos and sixes in my life. Yeah. And my husband's a six. So, Mm -hmm. and I'm a two. So, you know, here we are. (laughs) Um, So the six is the loyalist. So their biggest desire is to feel secure Um, So they value safety, security, guidance from others, things like that. And then their biggest fear is typically fear itself. Mm. So they have the strongest connection with fear. And then they also fear being without that guidance and that security. So, you know, a lot of sixes are stereotyped as like having anxiety or thinking about worst case scenarios. And that's really just, you know, because if that's how they react to the fear of fear you know that's a behavior like the anxiety is a behavior the planning for worst case scenarios is a behavior so you know people could either have that or not that is so interesting to me like I've known this like okay the Enneagram is like all about motivations not behaviors but just hearing it explained like this I'm just like oh oh I'm having so many like light bulb moments already okay let me give you another good example about that so for ones and sixes both really like to plan like they're Mm -hmm. stereotypically typed as like they're planners sixes will plan because it makes them feel secure and they're avoiding like that fear of if they don't plan for something whereas Mm -hmm. ones aren't even thinking about that right right that's so interesting and then okay seven sevens are the enthusiasts so their biggest desire is to have fun Mm -hmm. to be joyful but they're ultimately seeking contentment and then uh, their biggest fear is missing out. So they do have that FOMO piece, but ultimately they fear being trapped in any sort of negativity, emotional pain, anything that's going to bring them down. But that contentment piece causes them to look for new experiences, adventures, just like be on the go because they're looking to be content. Okay. And then eight. Eight is the challenger. So their biggest desire is to protect themselves and other people specifically those who they feel like need to be protected. And then their biggest fear is um, being seen as weak, powerless, or controlled in some way. And so they put on this like tough exterior and resist vulnerability because they don't want to appear as weak. Okay. And then the last one, nine. The nine is the peacemaker. So their biggest desire is to maintain a peaceful environment either for themselves, for other people, just to be peaceful in general. And then their biggest fear is conflict. So I'm not saying that other types also don't fear conflict, but for nines, it kind of makes up that basis for why they do a lot of uh, things to maintain that peace. So it doesn't need to be like conflict with an individual. It could just be anything that that causes tension, whether that be clutter or life experiences, or just anything like that. Okay. And then before we keep going, I literally have 6,000 questions, but I'm trying to be like, okay, let's (laughs) rein it in, girl. Rein it in. Um, Can we talk about wings for a second? Because I – I have always thought that your wing has to be the number on either side. So like I could be a three wing two or a three wing four. But then I've heard people say like, oh, I'm a three three wing seven. And I'm like, wait, I thought that wasn't possible. Okay. (laughs) It's not possible. I'm like, can you please just like let us know like what is going on here? It's literally like nails on a chalkboard. Okay. When when people say that. I can imagine because it is for me and I'm not even like in the realm of what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So your wings have to be on either 
other side of your main type. So like you said, as a three, you would either have a two wing or a four wing. Like you said, a common misconception, it's like your second highest score. Okay. And that's only possible if it's on either side. Like birds, like angels, like your wings have to be (laughs) on either side of your main type. I like want that plastered everywhere. Yeah. Um, And the point of the wings is that you pull characteristics from them. So like I said, with me as a two with a three wing, I have a lot of behavior characteristics that look a lot like a three, like being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you know, being very motivated and driven and like this need to succeed. But my motivations will always stay with the two, like to be loved, wanted, appreciated. So you can look a lot like your wing because it's behavior based. But deep down, you know, it's about finding those motivations, like we said. Right. Okay. And then going along with that, something else that I've heard is there's like, I don't even know if I'm wording this properly. There's like a three, when I'm operating from a, and I'm putting this in air quotes, healthy place, I kind of mirror a six. And then if I'm operating in an unhealthy frame of mind, I'm kind of mirroring more of like a nine. What does that mean? Like, how does that all tie together? So if you actually look at the symbol of the Enneagram, there are a lot of different lines that are connecting different types. And that's what that means is we all have a number that we go to when we're stressed Mm -hmm. and we typically take on the unhealthy qualities of that number. And then we all have a number that we go to when we're like, I I always put it in quotes to like healthy or like, Yeah. yeah, in a space of like growth. Okay. And we take on the positive qualities of that. So for three specifically, you're going to take on the unhealthy qualities of a nine when you're stressed. And that can look like becoming so overwhelmed with all of the things that you have to do that you, you don't do any sloth. of them. Yep. yep. That is what you I do. Yep. I can always tell when I want to veg out and watch TV, that's when I feel like I'm stressed and not operating healthily because I typically don't like doing that. So I'm like, mm-hmm. if I'm craving a TV like marathon, I'm probably <laughs> – I need to check myself and yeah. like kind of dig deep a little bit. Yeah. But that's the point, right? That's right. the point of the Enneagram is being totally. able to be like – oh, if I'm having this reaction or I'm responding this way, like something else is going on Mm -hmm. that's like triggering me to have that response. Yes. Okay. And then what about the example with the six? Like whenever you're operating like in a more healthy, like what does that look like? We'll just stick with the three. So for a three that looks like being focused on like teams and so like focusing on not just on like your own success but the Mm. success of a team or the community um being very prepared for all circumstances viewing all scenarios being able to spend more time like thinking things through instead of just doing awesome okay all of this makes so much sense okay (laughs) um how i want to kind of i guess this is a big question. This is a loaded question, but we're just going to, we're just going to go for it. So how can someone use the Enneagram as a tool to help them get their mindset, right? Like more specifically, I want to talk about limiting beliefs. So if somebody has a limiting belief, how can they use the Enneagram to kind of help them overcome that and, uh, you know, affirm truth over their lives? So it all goes back to those motivations, right? Like why is that limiting belief kind of plaguing you? Mm-hmm. And where did that come from? And I think it's important too to think about your type. So we didn't even talk about this, but your type is f- with you from birth. 
Okay. Most Enneagram experts will say that you have your type from birth. What will change are your behaviors. Okay. So when thinking about limiting beliefs or just your mindset in general, like you kind of have to go back to the beginning and see like where you learned that. And Mm. so sometimes, I was just talking to a client about this earlier today. Sometimes you might just have that ingrained in you as part of your Enneagram type. Um, whereas for twos, for example, like they were taught that their needs don't matter Mm. and it wasn't something that someone like grabbed them and said, your needs don't matter. Right. It's just something that like they inherently believe. Whereas part of that could be, maybe they did have a caregiver who like taught them that their needs don't matter. And so somewhere along the line, we were taught these things about beliefs that we have. And so we have to kind of, we can use the Enneagram to go back to the beginning and see like where did this come from is this mm. just a thought a mindset that i've had for you know 30 years right. or is this something that like was taught to me when somebody told me that i you know needed to compare myself to others or yeah. um and the enneagram 2 will probably like you could probably group mindsets that people have or limiting beliefs that people have based on types like a three for example I'm not enough yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I'm not enough I'm not doing enough yep right Mm -hmm. um whereas like a different type like a seven wouldn't even think about that right right um are we gonna see this series come out I think we might (laughs) (laughs) I think we might take a note yeah you're like okay done (laughs) this sounds like a great (laughs) series so everybody go follow on instagram and be on the lookout for that yeah um okay so uh, i have to ask this question because i know everybody's gonna want to know where is the best place for somebody to go to find out their enneagram number so my thoughts on tests are they're a great place to start, mm-hmm. but you have to do your own research too. And I know that like maybe not deep dive as much as you did, but you know, you can still do your own research by looking at, you know, those core fears, those core desires and see what resonates with you. My two favorite tests are the ready, which is from the Enneagram mm-hmm. Institute and then the truity test. Okay. But again, once you get those results, like you can't just take them and be like, oh, this says I'm a three, so I'm going to go run off with that knowledge. Right. Because the way that those tests are also set up and why I like them is that it gives you like a top three. Mm -hmm. So for example, I was working with somebody today who scored high for one, three, and eight, Mm -hmm. which look very similar behaviorally, but it's all about, you know, determining those motivations. And so at the end of the day, we determined she was a three, but that wasn't the type that she scored the highest for. Because on tests, we're answering based on, A, ways that we want other people to perceive us, even if we swear up and down right after doing that. And then, B, um, we're answering based on behaviors and not motivation. So it is up to you. Like, start with a test. Start with one of those. But then do your own research as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like, okay, I pulled up. I have my screenshot from August 12th, 2018 on my phone. Wow. That's when I took the the test. And my top three, three, eight, and one. And okay. when I read about the eight, I was just like, what 
the like I just did not I don't know I was very caught off guard like when I read the three like all about it I was like oh my gosh like I felt very seen like almost vulnerable in a way Mm -hmm. um and when I read the eight I was just like huh like that it threw me off a little bit um so Yeah. yeah I think like you said it's important yeah sure take the test to kind of like give yourself somewhere to like start I guess if you just feel Mm -hmm. overwhelmed by like reading about all nine um but yeah I think reading because I've heard like I don't know what do you think about self-typing rather than taking a test like that's kind of what we're talking about right yeah I'm all for it I think if you have the ability to kind of look inward and be honest with yourself about why you do the things that you do Mm -hmm. like I'm all about that self-awareness piece like like praise to you um, and I, but I think as, as humans, we love for people to tell us what type we are or like yeah. to tell us the answer. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think people are like drawn to tests, which I'm not saying like, don't take a test. Right. I've taken literally like 50 tests, yeah. but again, I, <laughs> just cause I like want to try them out, you know, right. but, um, like I score high for a nine mm-hmm. because twos and nines look very similar. I score high for a three, like I said. So my, mm-hmm. my three highest are always nine three and two but it depends on like the day right which one I get the highest so much sense it does but you said earlier which I did not know this that you're like born as your Mm -hmm. type right so that means your type doesn't change ever right Right. like it is you are this number you can't like morph into another number in a decade right Right. Yeah. So your behaviors will change. Like, thank God I'm not the same person I was when I was in middle school. Right. (laughs) Where like, I would look at at a four and be like, oh yeah. Like as a 14 year old girl, I was definitely trying to be different. And like, you know what I mean? But but that's not my main motivation. Um, But, and I always say too, like I score high for a nine because that's my coping mechanism. Like I've always like taught like through trauma that I've experienced I've been like I'm gonna avoid this conflict and kind of like become a recluse Mm. and so like there are days that I score high for a nine where I'm like okay I must be like (laughs) right you know thinking about those things so it's just important to not just you know be honest with yourself when you're taking a test but think about the day that you've had think about what's going on in your life and that's why people will come to me and be like you know, I took this test five years ago and I scored a seven and now I'm a two. Like, why did it change? And I'm like, it didn't really change, but your behaviors did. Right. That makes so much sense. So like I said, the way that I found out I was a three, I did take the test, but reading um, the, was it the road back to you? Is that an Enneagram yeah. book? Was that, mm-hmm. I feel like that's one of the older ones. Somebody gifted yeah. it to me when they like learned that I was getting into the Enneagram. And so <laughs> I remember reading, like skimming through. And when I read the three like I said I just felt like very vulnerable like I felt Mm -hmm. seen not in a bad way or a good way but just like oh my gosh like it was just I don't know it was kind of mind-blowing like someone was Mm -hmm. in my mind and then another way that helped me to kind of be like up 100% yes I'm a three I listened to all of those um Enneagram songs from Sleeping at Last, which I'll link those in the show notes for you guys. They're beautiful. All the songs are incredible. Um, But when I heard the three song, like it made me tear up. And like I said, when Adam heard the two, he was bawling. So I feel like 
that's another good way. Like if you read through them and you're just like, uh, I still don't really know. Like, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will happen for anyone. Cause I do feel like when you read through all nine, you're like, Oh wait, one of those at least kind of jumps out a little bit. But listening to those songs was another way. And maybe that's like, I don't know the four in me where I'm just like, yeah, like the artsy like music. I don't know. <laughs> well, there are a lot of people that are connected to music in that way. Like yeah. I, when I was writing, you know, my books on the Enneagram, I loved to just have, that like soundtrack playing over and over yeah. again because it just reminded me that like this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. 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 That's so awesome. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to uh, tell us about the Enneagram or just anything that has to do with the Enneagram and your mindset? Like anything to be aware of, anything to, you know, kind of think about before you jump into the Enneagram? I think just be like gentle with yourself. Like mm-hmm. it's, People think, you know, like, oh, this is this like cool personality test and like it's going to tell me how great I am. And like it it does in some ways, you know, but there are also some spots that really give you like a punch in the gut and that's very normal. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you're a terrible person or that, you know, you have been doing things wrong for X amount of time. It just is a a spot to start to grow and and that self-awareness piece is key. And I think, you know, it's not just about offering compassion to other people, but that self-compassion piece is extremely important. Oh my gosh. I love that advice so much. And I love that you use the word gentle. That word keeps popping up in my life lately. And I'm just like, oh, really? Like I'm taking it out here. (laughs) Okay. So I have two questions that I like to end with for everybody. They're kind of like hustle sanely-esque questions. So Ashton, how do you take care of your mental health as you work toward your goals? As we learned earlier, you wear a lot of hats. You've got a lot going on. So I'm sure you're constantly working toward different types of goals. So how do you make sure that you're taking care of your mental health while you do that? Honestly, it's just been setting time aside for myself. And, you know, years ago, I would, as a two, like I never would have been able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a testament to the growth of the Enneagram too. And so, you know, this year I've really been focused on reading Mm -hmm. and just being able to like have some quiet time to be able to do that. Um, and not to feel guilty for that. I think, you know, a That's lot of people feel guilty. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then the next question is what's your favorite way to rest? I'm assuming reading is probably one of them. Yeah. You just mentioned it. Yeah. Is there anything else? Um, so I also like to listen to music. Um, I like to go to Target. <laughs> <laughs> That's resting, but it feels like <laughs> well, if it refreshes you, it is rest. Yeah. You know, it feels like rest to me. Um, to just go like walk the aisles at Target, like oh. with or without my kid, she's pretty good. So yeah. like, like even if I take her, she it's just a, a fun, a restful experience, and it like takes you out of the house. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, it's so hard when you're like working in the house all oh, the time, and it. and to just go do something and. I get so excited um, to go check my P.O. box when right. I work at home. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I get to go to the post office. I know. I know. So I think those are my favorite. We've also really randomly been into, like, Mario Kart racing oh, recently. And on. just, like, a mindless activity, yes. you know, is just a great way to rest. Yes, I love that so much. Okay, Ashton, thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much knowledge and wisdom. So where can the Hustle Sanely community go to just learn more about you and all that you have to offer? Yeah, so you can check me out on Instagram at Enneagram Ashton, my website at EnneagramAshton.com. 
I hang out on Instagram stories pretty often. So come check it out. I'd love to meet you. Yeah. And we'll have all that linked in the show notes. I know Enneagram is kind of hard for some people to spell. Yeah, to spell. I know. I was like, should I spell it? <laughs> yeah. No, we'll have it all in the show notes. But Ashton, thank you again for just sharing your time with us, sharing your wisdom so freely with us. I am so appreciative. And I know that the Hustle Stanley community is just going to be so stoked about this conversation. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited to introduce it to so many more people. I so appreciate you tuning in to today's show. I hope that it blessed you right where you're at. If you did enjoy it, take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your Instagram story along with your biggest takeaway. Make sure you tag me at Jess M. Massey so I can see it and share it on my story too. Your feedback is such an encouragement to me and it helps the show more than you will ever know. If you want more Hustle Sanely in your life, head on over to jessicamassey.com. It's actually my favorite place to hang out online. I'll meet you right back here next week. And until then, keep hustling sanely.